Hi, this is Brett Leonard, and I'm here with my son, Shannon Leonard, and this is What the F is the Metaverse? Another episode. How you doing, everybody? A lot of news. Citibank analysts have predicted that the Metaverse economy could be worth $13 trillion by 2030. Which is Wendy's less than 10 years, the by metaverse. the way. Less than 10 years. That's true. Yeah. And Wendy's has entered the Metaverse. We have some news from Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite and a $60 million round of funding by Alibaba into a AR company. So we're going to talk about all this on the episode today. But first, talk about, yeah, the Citibank, Citibank news. So they've predicted the metaverse economy could be worth $13 trillion by 2030. The firm also predicted the metaverse could reach 5 billion users in the same time frame. And on the last episode, you you actually predicted we'd get mass adoption in, in five years, a little bit sooner. So what do you think yes. about cities? Well, I mean, obviously mass adoption. I mean, I think, you know, if you have a billion or more people experiencing, I mean, that's mass adoption. So they're talking about 5 billion in eight years. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think it's, they're, they're more in line with my prediction than they are with people that are saying, oh, it's 10, 15 years away. And, you know, I think that, look, there's obviously, as we've talked about a bunch on this podcast, there's a lot of money chasing this idea of the metaverse. And uh, one of the reasons for that, I think, is because the metaverse is kind of this sort of decentralized concept. Let's uh, We've used the term decentralization in a lot of other ways, but really the concept of the metaverse is at its core kind of decentralized. There was actually another article. Uh, in uh, the uh, Entertainment Weekly, um, not a bastion of you know tremendous journalism, but still tracking the business of entertainment, <laughs> and uh, and they talked about how virtual and augmented reality and the metaverse will change the entertainment landscape and within ten years by uh, you know twenty thirty two, and you know they t- talked a lot about the decentralization of of star power, of, of the fact that, you know, this idea of a very small group of stars in any given part of the entertainment industry was actually being modified by this overall concept of the metaverse, which kind of leans into this idea we've been talking about, which is that the metaverse is already happening, that we already have kind of a metaverse right. on training wheels going on already, uh, you know, with all the social media, especially with things like TikTok, which, you know, definitely changed and disrupted the music business and creating new kinds of stars, new kinds of fame. And so that overall arching decentralization idea, I think, is one of the reasons why a Citibank would come out and say it's going to be a $13 trillion metaverse economy, because it is taking things that were very top-down, very hierarchical in the past, and and flattening that across a much larger larger base of people. And so uh, that's just a thing that I think is, you know, very true about what we think of as virtual worlds, what we think of as us interacting with this digital twin of the metaverse, and how, you know, as humans, we're going to be connecting with each other in a much more decentralized way, just like we watch movies in a much more decentralized way these days. There's more niche ways of watching content. All of this is, for me, trends which indicate this creation of the quote-unquote metaverse. City Citibank believes a huge investment needs to be made in computing, storage, networking infrastructure, game development, hardware, 
and, and yet they still say it, it believes the metaverse is the next generation of the internet, um, which is, you know, a lot of people are saying this recently. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting, though, you know, big banks now. I mean, it seems like every week we have this podcast, another large organization seems to endorse the metaverse. Yes. And we're still in this <laughs> yeah, realm of people saying, what even is the metaverse? And is it going to even happen? Well, maybe it'll happen. Maybe. Well, I mean, for me, just to give a little perspective, since I've been in, involved with, yeah. you know, this whole virtual reality thing for a very long time. Um, Ever since your film, the, Lawnmower Man, yeah, for those who yeah, don't because, know. Yeah, because of the Lawnmower Man, the first feature film that, to depict virtual reality. Yeah, so I, and I made another one called Virtuosity with Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington about virtual reality. But the yeah. ideas, these ideas, uh, they keep getting rehashed. I mean, th there's been diff multiple phases of virtual reality hype recently over you know the last uh, six years or so since Oculus was created. There's been uh, you know a new resurgence in virtual reality. Uh, now Oculus is MetaQuest, not Oculus Quest. These same articles, these same sort of prognostications have been happening again and again and again over the last 30 years around what they were calling virtual reality. Now this term, the metaverse, has given a kind of new patina to those conversations, even though yeah. really they're all about what I would call writ large virtual experience, um, you know, which is different ways, whether it be AR, VR, MR, mixed reality, or just this idea of virtual real estate, which is one of the core tenets of the metaverse with, you know, the initiatives and platforms like Decentraland, etc. So it all goes into this that we're going into a digital realm that is a kind of digital twin of quote unquote real life uh, in a virtual life. There's, you know, different entertainers in that article on, on uh, in Entertainment Weekly we're talking about. It's going to be about story living as opposed to storytelling. Um, you know, I've been talking about the story worlding or story worlds for, you know, over 25 years. So a lot of these conversations are not new and they're just kind of journalists re rehashing the same conversation about what is going to be changing. The only difference is that now you've got much bigger money chasing it. Um, and th that's, you know, with Citibank coming out and talking about $13 trillion, no one's ever in the past with virtual reality ever predicted that level before. And part of the reason for that is that the money is going to the technical infrastructure and the, the, the tech stack, so to speak, that's going to be enabling all this. And that's the moment we're in right now, which is, makes this a different moment than it's ever been before. Yeah. Well, you mentioned virtual real estate. So we got to get to the the Wendy's entering, a, <laughs> entering opening a thing inside the metaverse. But before before we get to uh, that, I want to take a, a slight diversion into a, a, a news topic that broke this last week about what Meta slash Facebook did and in this basically hiring this campaign um, this this agency to essentially create fake news stories about TikTok, you know, and, and we've talked a lot about, you know, the metaverse is, it's just a new buzzword, but it's, and, it, and it's often just used to describe three-dimensional immersive spaces, but we kind of think it's, it's just kind of the next level of, you know, and even Citibank says it's the next generation of the internet. Yes. But, but when, when you're talking about it in a three-dimensional physical way, that also kind of, it, it, it mimics reality and then yes. it leaks almost into reality. That's um, right. So, so for example, what, what this is actually some big news and, and it could affect meta, it, you know, in terms of their, the way people think about them, especially for, I don't know how, how, 
much it got out there, but I know they lost a lot of respect from journalists and and Taylor Lorenz uh, from the Wall Street Journal <laughs> broke this story about how they they've been they Facebook hired the or slash Meta hired a, a company that plants news stories and and one of them was a fake news story that caught on on local TV news networks about how teachers were being slapped by their students because of a TikTok challenge. And uh, what ended up happening was it became it became something that they, sometimes students were, you know, kept out of school. There was like meetings about this and hmm. it was all it was a lot of fear around it, but it turned out it was all just this fake news story that Facebook slash Meta had planted just to kind of fight against TikTok because TikTok is now unarguably the most widespread dominant social network. And yeah. it's it's a it's a real threat to Facebook. And it's a real threat to not just Facebook, but Instagram and and Meta's virtual reality ambitions potentially. I mean right. that might be one reason why they're trying to diversify into the metaverse is because they see what TikTok is doing. It was a very sort of nefarious thing. And, and, you know, I've even kind of defended it in the first episode of the podcast, kind of defended uh, Mark Zuckerberg slightly just saying, well, I don't think he's completely evil. Like he's definitely done a lot of bad things, but it's a news story that's pointed out how they're fighting dirty. They're, they're literally like, well, well, fake well news here's the reality. Like yeah. Here's the reality corporate the corporate world at that level of scale and size and money have always fought dirty there's nothing about the american yeah. corporate world that has not been dirty from the very beginning okay i mean there's all you have to do is read about some of the great amazing names of corporate uh, innovation in america that you know going back to you know the henry fords and and uh the, the banking giants like J.P. Morgan and all of these, and of course the railroad uh, magnates, the Vanderbilts, and all these amazing, you know, sort of icons of American corporate culture that were brutal as hell. I mean, there's always been brutality at the core of the business of business, and that's just part of it. I mean, I think that when people get into these corporate cultures and they're they're fighting for their own profit margins, for their survival, for their position in the marketplace. Basically, all rules apply. You know, I mean, all, all, all I mean, all the rules go away, and basically, any, you know, any nefarious means apply, and and that's what's going on, and is going to go on in the context of the metaverse as well. I mean, it's that's why we have to look at different structures that can democrat truly democratize what the metaverse is about truly empower people to create as we've talked about for the very reasons that you're bringing up from this one article i mean i think the one article is they got caught but there's so much of that that goes on and and you know perceptions that are being swayed by different uh, dirty tricks so to speak i mean it happens in politics and it happens in corporate america and in the global corporations as well so I mean, there's so much of that that it, it's not really surprising to me. And anybody yeah. that, you know, exists inside those business realities wouldn't be that surprised by it. Just, you know, it only comes out to the fore when they get caught. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I mean, and that, that was pretty much their response. I think some some of their the sources were like, well, this is how it's done, you know, but it's like <laughs> creating these fake, it, they almost kind of 
shot themselves in the foot because TikTok, you know, is owned by, it, you know, this bite dance with it, which is completely controlled by the Chinese government. And there's a lot of people that are skeptical of TikTok and the way that it can influence the world within, within, if they wanted to, TikTok could influence 900 million people within 24 hours because there's no following feed on TikTok. You're just given the videos. You're, you know, I mean, there is a following feed, but no one uses it. Everyone just goes to the For You page. And so if right. TikTok wanted to influence the minds of the world of 900 million people, they could do it. And within 24 hours, everyone would see what they wanted to see. Um, yeah. I and, mean, that, and, gets, that gets yeah. down to... When you're talking about something that's going to have a $13 trillion economy to it, that's, that's a good chunk of global economy, you know, that, that is going to be able to influence, as Citibank says, 5 billion people in eight years. You're going to have a tremendous amount of this kind of cyber warfare. I mean, it's part of what is really the modern war, field of war that is really perceptual, especially in the context of a digital twin of a, you know, a digital, uh, you know, interaction with human beings. That really was what the metaverse is going to, is all about, is going to be all about increasingly. And when that goes into true dimensionality and we, it becomes more and more like a real three-dimensional experience, like you said, exactly the, blur, the blurring between where, what is real, what is not. As a matter of fact, that's one of the main ideas that I really want to explore as a storyteller. It's like, what is virtual and what is real? And that's becoming more and more a question and more and more blurred with each passing day of us, you know, rushing towards this reality of the metaverse. Yeah. I mean, the Facebook could have been, you know, the American made version competitor, you know, with Instagram reels and their, their alternative TikTok products. And they could have kind of kept championing that but instead they decided to go with this sort of shady group and create up fake news stories about fake challenges that were happening on tiktok and now it looks like that meta slash facebook is also kind of shady they're maybe they're just showing their true colors and the reality is that they are right now the most widespread sort of metaverse platform and that's where wendy's opened up their their <laughs> location so wendy's just what yeah, we need <laughs> Fast food in the metaverse. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So it was opened up in her Meta's Horizon Worlds product. A lot of these, we've talked about JP Morgan opening up in Decentraland, which is not owned by Meta or Facebook. But Meta or Facebook has their own product called Horizon Worlds where users can go in. There's over 300,000 monthly users where they can go in and build their own worlds, play games, and so Wendy's created their own Wendyverse. <laughs> they opened on April 2nd. And the virtual restaurant features virtual Baconators and Fanta. So what exactly yeah. do you get out of a virtual Baconator and a virtual glass of Fanta? That's what I want to understand. How does... Marketing. I mean, it's marketing. I know. I mean, basically, yeah. it's another way of advertising. Go get a real Baconator somewhere uh, and clog your arteries. Um, so, you know, it's I mean, this kind of use of the metaverse where it's just an extension of sort of brand advertising and brand marketing is to me the fact that this is one of the first major announcements they've had for Meta Horizons and, you know, in terms of their corporate partners yeah. and that it's just it's Wendy's. I just 
I don't know that 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 to me is the is the cautionary tale. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> right know. If, yeah, I don't know if it's a corporate partner so much as Wendy's just decided to go with Horizon Worlds versus other places such as Decentraland or the Sandbox, which a lot of other brands have decided to go with. Right. Um, so it's yeah, it's in it, but in the in a world where Facebook's brand is kind of being damaged by these news articles that are coming out. I don't know. I guess that might blow over. I mean, people have a short-term memory. People might forget that that happened. But I feel like Facebook's brand is already so damaged. Yeah, I mean, look, um, and, the, the truth is, in terms, yeah. of the, in terms of social media, I mean, Facebook is not the hip platform as much as they have so much ubiquity with so many people on it. So, but, you know, in terms of, if you look at, well, Instagram you know, is, you know. Yeah, 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 of course. And so they, they control that. But the Facebook itself yeah. Um, you know, is the, the young people especially have migrated away from it. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, in droves and, uh, actually they had a, uh, a, a decrease, uh, in users for the first time, uh, that was, I think Ever, on our yeah. first podcast several weeks ago. And so, you know, you've got, you've got this thing of like, they, they, this is a company pivoting into the metaverse. I mean, one of the reasons we're even talking about quote unquote the metaverse is because Zuckerberg mentioned it uh, and you know had some videos come out and, and then changed Facebook to meta you know so I mean a lot of this is because of his you know boosterism around this concept that's been around uh, for a while since you know Stevenson's snow crash uh, 1992 same year as the Walmart it really shows that there's this land rush going on as we've talked about. The way in which it's going to be used, every kind of vertical, every usage case that we're going to possibly see that are in the real world is going to be something that gets mirrored in the metaverse. And I think the metaverse can be something that's about new kinds of experience, new ways of encouraging people to to, to be creative, to be imaginative. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things in the Entertainment Weekly article was that they said, well. God, the metaverse sounds like it's going to be exhausting, meaning you're not going to be able just, you know, veg out on a couch and watch a, a movie or binge a television series uh, or a streaming series. That that's the nature of, you know, especially American entertainment is to stop doing anything. Of course, there's, I think, a generational reality to that. Older people may feel, you know, more akin to that kind of passive viewing. And in a way, I think that activity, the aspect of bringing media and bringing content into more of an active form is a more positive version of content, a more positive version of entertainment, uh, because it will empower people to actually create themselves. They are going to have interaction with aspects of themselves as opposed to just being it being shoveled into their minds, you know, from a place on high called Hollywood, you know, and that that aspect of this is is really one of the things I think we're going to be watching a lot of in terms of the back and forth in this sort of battle for the uh, the land rush of the metaverse. What what is going to win out? And I think because there's a younger generation coming up that's, you know, demanding interaction, demanding agency and immersion, that that is where a lot of the wind is going to be in the sails for this. And I, I'm hopeful because of that. Well, the, and the article is titled How the Metaverse and Augmented Reality Will Change Entertainment right. uh, from Entertainment Weekly. And and I, you know, I, I read it as well. And it, it's, I think as someone who's used the, used the MetaQuest 
uh, frequently, and I'm in various different metaverses um, almost all the time, every week. I, I think there's there's kind of this this disconnect where people are talking about this a lot, and they're writing articles about it, but they're not actually using it. Um, and I, when, I guarantee you, and, I bet yeah. most of the people that are writing these articles, like a majority, at yeah, least, and my and my are not and using it at all. It, <laughs> and, and when you use it, I think you realize that it's not all going to be this kind of like, oh, and you have to explore the this world, and and you're going to get up and walk around your room. And it, I think a lot of it is going to be passive just like the way you'd watch TV, but it's also going to then go with you. So as you go into the kitchen, it'll the, the, the virtual world will still be there. As you're making your meal, instead of listening to a podcast, you'll be able to see things, floating movies around your stove you know, as you're cooking. And then you go outside and you're on the subway and you're in a, a different world. And it essentially, I mean, it's what we keep talking about, but it's essentially the virtual world eating the physical world to an extent where you're never going to actually leave the virtual world. And it sounds scary, but I think it's going to be second nature because we already we already want to do that. We're already spending a lot of time on our phones, going from one screen at work to another screen when we relax and watch Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just going to... So it's not... It's not necessarily all going to be active. You know, Netflix actually has one of the most popular apps in MetaQuest and also YouTube as well. And all, and those apps, all they are is basically it's like a big screen. It's like you have yeah. a movie theater. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. It's, you know, I've used it and it's 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 a cool way to watch YouTube videos. I, I really like that you... <laughs> are always fighting for this idea of building a building a world that is that is a net positive. And so when I hear these stories about Facebook slash Meta still doing these kind of shadow campaigns against TikTok, which and these are things that Mark Zuckerberg said he would stop doing. Like they've done these weird they you know, whether it's, you know, name the different uh <laughs> there's like a thousand different things that Facebook has done in the past that were pretty shady and bad. And Mark Zuckerberg has said statements like, that's not who we are, and we don't do these things, and we're going to change. And then now, here we are in 2022, and they're still doing these kind of things. And, you know, literally impacting real schools across America, where their kid, you know, parents are scared that their kids are being influenced by TikTok to slap their teachers. Right. You know, it, it, it's impacting the real world. And then this is also the company that's going to be building this this virtual world and which which gets back yeah. to the the idea that the, the stakes are very high with this thing it's not just companies building a product and trying to market a product it's a world that's going to as you said follow you around become part of your organic reality of life you know and, and yeah. we're, you know how many people do we watch walking down the street looking at their phones I mean, exactly. a huge percentage of people in the in the supermarket anywhere. So we're already going into the flatty screen version of the metaverse already, you know, and this yeah. idea that it's going to be more seamless for you with augmented reality glasses or, by the way, the 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 uh, the company Enreal, which got the 60 million dollar um, investment. Uh, yeah, was, sixty million dollar from Alibaba. Yeah, so, yeah, from Alibaba. That's that's a that's an augmented reality glasses company. Yes. Um, and uh, so you know, again, these things are being put in place, and 
I, I just want to encourage everyone to think about what is it they really want to do with this? You know, what, uh, yes, there's all kinds of passive things that we can do that could be a fun new way of experiencing all the things we already experienced in terms of content. But there's also something that could be more active, more, have greater agency, have greater ability to stimulate the imaginative mind of humans. And that, to me, could also become, you know, what could really be successful uh, in the metaverse. Uh, you know, that we, this, uh, this ability to empower people to create, to not just be absorbers of creation from others, but to actually be part of it to uh, experience the idea of a cinematic story, you know, what we call a movie right now, but in the context of like different characters and be able to have different emotional experiences in relation to those stories that could teach you things about yourself, you know, because movies teach me a lot about myself. They have from the very beginning of my life when I you know, I became a movie junkie starting at like two. <laughs> One of my parents took me to a drive-in <laughs> movie and they fell asleep and I didn't, you know. And so I, for me, the, the stakes are so high in this that all this other sort of, you know, base level generic usage is going to happen. And there's going to be a huge amount of support for that, I think, because that's just the nature of humans. But there's also this opportunity to push the edge of what media can be, can it become not only an educational experience, but can it become even a healing experience, a therapeutic experience? Can we actually bring that into our reality when at a time when we really need those things in our lives in general, something that's going to be so intimate and constant in our lives as this metaverse can become needs to have components that are based around us feeling better, not feeling worse. And a lot of things in social media has made us feel worse. And so there's, you know, there's indications yeah, that creating versus the, consuming. Yeah. The, yeah. The, there's indications this can go the wrong way very easily. And so that's why keeping the dialogue up of how we push it, encouraging creators to actually, you know, think about what are the, the more positive uses of this that can actually still entertain, still be engaging, still be incredibly compelling all of those things that capture our, our imaginations. But we need to think about where we're going as a group mind on the planet because now we're all being connected in a way that's way beyond the connection that's happened between nation states and cultures previous to this. And that's Yeah, we have to think about it. I mean, if you're a yeah, – we, we need to empower the creators to, to build these things. But I, I kind of go back and forth between being – disillusioned and super excited about about it but it, it's kind of but it kind of almost both at the same time it's kind of a paradox because i because i try these products like the meta quest and it's you know it's a really great product and a lot of the experiences inside it are amazing many i've mentioned new metaverses new games like this one combining soccer and archery called knock vr it's a really cool yeah, one describe that describe that a bit for for people so they understand what the experience of the, kind of being in a virtual world that is yeah. similar to what this metaverse concept is going to be. What Describe your experience with that, Shannon. You feel like you're there, like physically there. And, and this is even with this most, you know, early, early technology, like the MetaQuest 2, you put, you put the headset on, once you get it adjusted and you, you, it's comfortable on your head, you, you have your controllers and, 
and with this this new type of sport called knock VR, they drop you into an arena and all around you is clouds. It's like it's a it's a cloud stadium. So you're in the clouds uh, and, and you see a floor and you're also and you're represented by this orange blob. <laughs> and on the other side of the arena are all of these blue blobs. And then all of a sudden, a giant sphere, a ball comes falling from the sky and the game has begun. You can now use a bow and arrow and also you can navigate by grabbing. So there's all these different ways of, of inputting into the controllers. You can grab, you can click a trigger, you can click various buttons and and so you can grab and pull yourself through the world, through the arena, which 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 brings you around the arena. And then also you can aim the bow and arrow with your hands physically, actually pulling back just like you would a real bow and arrow and then releasing that with the trigger and then trying to knock this ball into the other other team's goal, kind of like soccer or you can physically drag yourself through the world and like kind of soccer, like almost kick the ball through the arena. And everyone, you can hear all the other players. So you can hear everyone's kind of So you feel the presence other. of being there with the other players. Yeah, yeah, you you do. And and you sort of lose yourself in the room and you have a you have to make sure your guardian system is set up so that you're not hitting your own wall or you're hitting yeah, so to describe the sort of for people that don't know, the guardian system is where you actually set up the the physical boundaries of where you can actually stand and move in your own physical space, so that you don't run into things, trip over chairs, run yeah. into the wall, go through a glass door. <laughs> it's a very important part of it because if you when you have the headset on, you're not seeing your room or reality that you're in. You're actually just seeing the virtual reality around you. So uh, the guardian system is very critical. It often with the, especially with this kind of physical game. I found myself more often sort of bumping into things. So you have to make sure that is is refined. There's a lot of videos of people just running into walls very quickly. There's also this pass-through mode where if you leave your guardian area, you can see the world around you, which is a really great feature of the MetaQuest where you can kind of it passes through reality. And Facebook, Facebook's next generation headset called Project Cambria is going to be much more of a mixed reality experience, meaning you're going to they're going to enhance that pass-through function so that you can really start interacting with the outside world and overlay things. So it's more of a augmented, augmented reality. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of things are going to be moving towards augmented reality, even though there will still be pure virtual reality experiences. There's you know the the idea of the augmented reality, which just feels a little more comfortable for many people. I think is going to be something yeah. that's that's really going to take over the continuum of virtual experience, um, especially as these different levels of virtual reality, of augmented reality goggles and glasses and headsets start to be created. I mean, we, we're seeing a lot of investment go into that area, just like the 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 Unreal investment that we just mentioned today. So yeah, sixty million—that's a lot of million. Sixty million dollar investment from for, Alibaba for some glasses. Yeah, you know. So you know, and and you know, Apple has been saying they're coming out with their augmented reality glasses as well. Well, they're you know, rumored. All, rumored. Yeah, they have you know, an rumored. Rumored. Yeah. You know, it's hard to know what's real with, with yeah. the Apple rumors. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah. this. So I think the idea of augmented reality will become something that makes 
this idea of the metaverse experience more ubiquitous. As a matter of fact, I would predict to say that most people will think of the metaverse experience that's going to be adopted over the next several years as pretty much more of an augmented reality experience than a true, just full, immersive virtual reality experience. I think that the augmented reality experiences will become more akin to what people think of as the metaverse. This idea that you could go into your kitchen and have overlays around you. This idea of, of kind of walking with and traveling with media that surrounds you and can be brought up in any given moment. And that information can be brought up. And uh, those aspects of the metaverse are going to have a lot of pragmatic uses for humans as they walk through, you know, the, the, the real life that they're in, that's going to be really what I think people start to think of as the metaverse in its most sort of generic form more. Yeah, so than may, yeah maybe, the, but I, it's interesting. Cause I think it'll, it'll, I think it'll transition seamlessly. I don't think AR and VR will sort of be separate. I think it'll transition because think about how much time you spend watching Netflix at home, or even if you're a work from home, you know, how much time you spend on a computer working from home, um, or even if you go to the office, how much time at the office, you're just sitting in one place, and then everything else is sort of transiting. And again, you know, if that's, if you're transiting in a car that's driving itself, that's more opportunity to just be sitting somewhere in place. So yeah. The 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 op so in a way yes I think you're you're gonna have to see the real world just for functionality like for getting navigating around a room so you don't have to have a guardian like the guardian system seems almost very VR 1.0 yeah because it it, it yeah. should just automatically punch through to the real world when that's needed yeah um, but I I you know it's it's I think it's going to actually progressively consume us it might start more with AR. But already the most popular product is the MetaQuest, which is full VR. And just as and that gets more lightweight, easy to wear, um, and and the experiences get even more compelling, I think it's going to suck people in. I think it's yeah. it really is. It's already doing that to the yeah, extent. No, I mean, there's, you know, been, there's been a huge adoption. I mean, the, what, the, what are the numbers on the, on the MetaQuest 2 at this point? Well, like, you know, they, they haven't released updated one, but we know it's over 10 million units. Over, over 10 million units, right. Yeah, exactly. and, and that was before. It's probably closer to 20 at this point because that was before the Christmas of 2021 when it, when it was the number one gift of the, of the Christmas season. So right. it, there's, there's been a huge – and I've even seen it with videos I've posted to – I have a YouTube channel dedicated to – videos where I, I record myself in virtual reality. So you can see myself outside in the real world and also inside. And right on Christmas, the views exploded. And now it has over 20,000 views across the channel just from, and I'm not even, that's only like seven videos. I'm not even really active on it too much, but it's, I saw it in the numbers that people are much more interested in VR now. Um, and that had been up for months previous. So it's, yeah. it's interesting to see the adoption take place. Yeah, and, the adoption has actually yeah. gone into uh, a much more of you know the, the beginnings of a mass adoption yeah. uh, than it ever has been in, in in history. That's for sure in the you know thirty year history that I've been looking at it. Um, and you know, there, it's funny that in the in the Entertainment Weekly article, you know, there's a lot of uh, traditional Hollywood people and people from you know the studio levels and the virtual, uh, I mean, the visual effects companies and all talking about it. And you could feel in how they talk about it, their trepidation, because in a way, 
not only is you know the metaverse going to eat our own reality, it's going to eat things like Hollywood. It's going to eat the nature of Hollywood being a place yeah. where a certain group of people send the content down from on high to a much larger group of people. And the, 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 the group of people at the top are incredibly small. Um, you know, that's a community I've been involved with over the years. And so it is an incredibly small community that is making those decisions. And the idea that those decisions will become more democratized and there'll be other people that are going to be able to create because the tools of creation are becoming much more cost efficient and democratized. That's really the big revolution that's happening in the context of entertainment regarding the metaverse. And, you know, they sort of touch on it a bit in that article, but it's almost with, you know, as if that's something they don't want to go there <laughs> totally because it's, yeah. it's a bit scary. Uh, and I think that that's definitely one of the things that's happening. And probably that's a positive thing because, you know, just a very small group of people making content and deciding what that content is, is not you know, the best way that, you know, that level of the art form and, and of storytelling can happen on the planet. I think the greater democratization, the greater decentralization of those kinds of things and the decentralization of fame uh, not being so, you know, at, at this point, fame has become almost, a you know, a toxic concept, uh, especially given the, the thing that just happened at the Oscars. So, uh, you know, it's... Yeah. You know, th these are the larger sort of philosophical trends that are happening around the metaverse that people tend to want to talk about the technical aspects and how it's going to change the movie experience and how it's going to be, you know, change the way in which we make visual effects. All of those things are true and, and that all of those things are, ha are happening and part of this. But really, it's the larger philosophical changes that I think that are going to sneak up on us more than anything and going to shift the nature of certain industries, which is what happens with technological innovation. Industries shift and change. Um, and, you know, there's always a, a large sort of resistance to that by the status quo. But this is something that almost is going to sneak in under the radar in a way because we're already acclimated to this idea of a digital universe that we're part of because of social media, because of our devices, because we're constantly on either a small screen or a large screen. All the entertainment has come into the home, become more of an intimate experience than something you have to go out and have as a communal experience. I mean, I personally miss the communal experience of going out and seeing a movie. You know, I think that that's going to be shifted to something that's greater than just the experience of seeing a movie. There's well, you can have that, that in VR. You you know, you can you can have that yes. communal experience. You can watch a movie on the screen, but be with a group of avatars of your friends and, you know, even almost whether they're imaginary avatars or photorealistic avatars and then have that experience of laughing at you know reacting to the film in real time exactly exactly i mean i mean you know the, the whole thing with the avatars too that's i mean obviously yeah most people when they see what avatars are now kind of get less than enthusiastic about avatars because they're not that advanced although there are things out there that have much more advanced avatars than than and what they're able to do than than the, the the simple ones that are in most of the more generic platforms right now. Yeah, um, well, I think I think that's why Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic Games, is predicting that the metaverse will become a trillion dollar opportunity. And yeah, that's context, another part. He just came out. This is another piece of news of this yeah. this, this week. Yep, yep, this week, and you know that's the company that develops the Unreal Engine 
which has powered games for over 20 years, but also more more notably Fortnite. Epic Games creates Fortnite, which really is a metaverse without the the immersive aspect of it. Um, and it's this is a game talk about mass adoption in 2020, in the month of June, 80 million active users tuned into Fortnite. And yes. that was in one month. And there was even a time when there were 30 million users playing the game, over over 10 to 30 million users playing the game in a single day. That's this, pretty, pretty yeah. amazing mass adoption. I mean, look, uh, Epic is a very, very smart company and also the the Unreal Engine, which they now have Unreal 5. The, the main one for many years has been Unreal 4. Now they have Unreal 5 that's been in beta for a while. But it is definitely the engine that creates the most highest quality cinematic world experience or the assets of creating a world experience that exists. Unity is the other company and Unity is is actually a bigger, you know, more ubiquitous uh, game engine. Uh, there's more developers of Unity than any other game engine on the planet, uh, but they're not quite the same quality level as Unreal. So there's a kind of battle going between two different business models. Unity just went public recently. There's, you know, a huge install base of Unity developers and users out there. So they have they have an edge in that world. But Unreal is pushing the idea of creating greater and greater veracity and photorealistic worlds. And so this is part of the part of the race that's going on is between companies like Unity and Unreal. And, and they, yeah, and they allow you to create these avatars and the worlds and everything, ha and happening in real time. That's the key. There, yes, the real time game engines, but also it's used in the film industry as well to create real time. Well, more, more and more, more and more, this idea yeah. of virtual production is coming into being, and this is something I'm very involved with, uh, as someone who's been involved with visual effects for a long time. This idea of creating in a much more real time. Uh, you know, process utilizing game engines and utilizing AI and other tools that are new to media production. One of the things we should say is that the, you know, the companies like Unity and Unreal, they have an edge in the metaverse. They, they have a greater edge than any Hollywood company does. First of all, they have a bigger business model. <laughs> Next year, the gaming industry is going to make like 200, you know, billion dollars. It's a much larger you know, subset than the entertainment business, you know, writ large. And they understand the idea of real-time agency and interaction just organically. So gamers and the whole gaming community really, you know, tend to think of themselves as, you know, already in the metaverse with their gaming experiences. Uh, I believe that there's going to be another component to that that's brought in that is not just gaming or game logic, but is this kind of undiscovered country between linear narrative and game theory that is where the metaverse is going to fully exist, which is like the idea of, you know, interacting within the context of a cinematic story and experience like a movie, but not just with the aspirational aspects of gaming, especially point and shoot gaming. Now, there's a lot of gaming, uh, you know, experimentation out there and many different games that play with game play in a much different way than just point and shoot. But of course, point and shoot is still, you know, the the, the most generic use uh, in gaming. But that's one of the more interesting areas to look at is how is the gaming industry 
and the traditional entertainment business, how are they starting to merge together? And that, it, that emergence is essentially becoming what we think of as the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, the, the owner of Unreal Engine, Epic Games, which also creates Fortnite, you know, in Fortnite, they have seasons, you know, which are similar to what you expect from a TV show, where each season has a narrative and, you know, the, 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 and something to do. But I think there's a big difference between what you're talking about and, and what, these, what these games are. And, and I, I can kind of articulate that kind of, you know, quickly, which is in, in these video games like Fortnite, there's always some kind of goal that you're trying to, to get to, whether you're playing for your team. Like in Fortnite, it's not just point and shoot. You can also build things in yeah, real time. It's aspirational. Time. It's aspirational. Yeah. Well, exactly. well you're building, yeah, you're, you're building these structures and you're doing all these things, but it's all just to get your team to win over the other team. And then at the end of the round, you get points for winning or losing. And that's like a general aspect. And of course, there's a lot of nuance and details within that. I think what you're talking about is more, it's, it's an infinite narrative. There's not necessarily yes. this, this winning or losing. You're, you're actually engaged. You're not, in, in what I call yeah. a story, in what I call a story world. It's, it literally right. is being able to go into a world that's curated by characters and an overarching sensibility and overarching aesthetic, uh, narrative tropes of the genre that it exists in. And yet you are having agency within that, but still following uh, along with the story. And, you know, even the word following is sort of a misnomer because you're actually living into the story. So that idea of story living, as uh, the guy from ILM said in the article in the Entertainment Weekly, is as actually, a, you know, close to to what we're talking about. And so this idea of being in a story world, and for me, this is the thing that has to happen, the innovation that has to happen in order for the metaverse to truly become something truly new. So that it's not just an extension of gaming and of gameplay. Yeah. It's not just an extension of the gamer world, which already many people think of as that's the metaverse, you know. Um, I think it's something beyond that. And the idea of bringing story more deeply into it, emotional engagement, uh, the way you can learn about yourself and others in a story, all of those things have to be brought into this idea of a story world and the agency within that. And there's kind of a paradox at the core of it, the paradox between storytelling, which is a very linear idea, um, you know, in, in cinematic storytelling, there's three acts and those three acts are pretty prescribed in almost every movie that you see. There are exceptions, of course, in cinema, people that have done many more, you know, interesting experimental things in cinema than just that. But the vast majority of cinema has been three act structure. Yet there's going to be a way of going into a cinematic narrative that allows you to be magnetized in different areas. I actually have this theory I've been playing with called narrative magnets, which is being able to be drawn in different narrative tropes in different directions through a, through the genre conventions and the way in which the characters are curated, the environment, or as we say in cinema, the maison-scene of the film is, uh, you know, of the story is, is curated. And yet you feel as if you're alive and inhabiting the world of that. So it's not just watching a movie, it's being inside a movie and actually experiencing it. Now, that's the kind of thing that in the Entertainment Weekly, I said, boy, that sounds exhausting. 
So I don't think I, I think that for some I people who I are, think it could fit. I think it could fit yeah. into your life dynamically. I think it, you know, yeah. I, as someone who uses metaverse technology a lot, I would. It, it this doesn't have to be something that is something you have to go and do extra. Like if you don't want to get up off your couch, you won't have to. Right. And, exactly. and the narrative exactly. will adapt to that. Exactly. Exactly. There's still agency in what you do, and I believe that you know you could be, you know, many people will not want to enter the uh, the point of view of the protagonist of the hero of the story, but will actually want to be watching or experiencing it as different characters within the story and I'm still in a way having a linear experience of watching the hero or the the protagonist go through the the linear aspects of narrative storytelling even though it's in a story world that you're actually inhabiting so again there are these paradoxical concepts at the core of this that make it interesting to wrap your head around and it's important to bring the sort of unholy alliances of gameplay and game theory, game logic, and linear narrative and storytelling into this idea of world creation. And when we start to think outside the box and sideways to those that multidisciplinary set that I just described, then we'll start to create and find and discover new forms that allow us to really start to build the metaverse as something that is truly a new form of human interaction a new form of human entertainment, not just a reflection or an extension of what already exists. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's so much. And and I that it's almost like it's not a winning or a losing aspect. It, like instead of gaming, you have to pretty much any game you win or you lose. But I think it'll be exactly what you're describing. It's like it's the story comes first and the story can be infinite in the sense that the games, yes. you, you know, you can play a game again and again, but in this next generation of storytelling, the stories are just like in the Marvel cinematic universe. Marvel is just continuing to extend their universe, create more movies with the same characters and, you know, theoretically. And adding on new characters all the time. Right, exactly. And yeah. so this and idea that, 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 you know, in a way they're starting to, you know, create kind of a story world. Of course, many of the movies are telling kind of the same beats of story in this, a different way each time. Um, yeah. So I think there's there's both an expansion and a contraction going on there. You know, this idea of expanding into an infinite realm of story experience that's where AI comes in. Where AI really starts to come in is where it can augment our experience and start to procedurally generate from the participants and their behavior within a story world, other aspects of that story world, other aspects that are characters and maison-scene and aesthetic and tropes. These things can be embedded within an AI generation that is coming off of us both as individuals and as a group mind. And I think that that's where the really interesting sort of expansion of what story, what was called storytelling has become story worlding or story living is now going. And th these are the tools that need to come into sync with each other in order to truly expand the metaverse into what it's true potential may be. Yeah, and I think Marvel's done a pretty good job with, with some of their innovations on some of their series but you know they have to step they have to step out of their box and do something original and i think that originality yeah. can come from things like procedural generation 
and you know yes. and actually and taking some risks but if you do those but see in, in in a metaverse environment you can have an infinite number of stories and you can create them at low cost so there's right. because they can just be spun up almost instantly so then you don't have to have this huge investment like they invest all this money into a movie which has yeah which is contracted then yeah. they don't want to take a risk so everything has to be an established IP it's got to be something exactly. that no works and that's created a contraction in cinematic storytelling which has not served the the art form or the medium really you know it's 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 contracted it even yeah, though yeah. even though there's the, this global nature to it this and and you know budgets have expanded to hundreds of millions of dollars and you know truly original work is very very difficult to support in that model and they're holding and, on to that because it's that's how they make money they make money by paying the producers and the yes. film team and the teams and the giant trailers and trucks and expensive equipment but now that all that equipment is becoming very low cost and digitized i mean all that equipment in the metaverse could just be virtual yeah and spun up instantly that allows them to allows anyone to create original stories but do it at scale so then the audience can decide what catches on or not um you know and then and the audience and what you're describing is the audience will literally choose which path to go down and then it's procedurally generated there and that's so, what yeah, they were it's, it's that's, yeah that's what they were touching on in that entertainment weekly article but touching on it with a bit of trepidation you know just the the idea that the deciders will not be a small group of gatekeepers at the top end of hollywood that's that's the shift that that is i believe coming and i think is necessary for there to be true innovation in the context of metaverse storytelling and that note which will of course we'll be talking about these kinds of things much much more <laughs> in, our, yes. in our future episodes the news keeps coming and there's a lot of news that we'll be dealing with every week uh in the context of what the f is the metaverse and uh this is brett leonard son i love you I love you too, Dad. And if you like the show, we really appreciate five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And special thanks to Greg Leonard for the original theme music for What the F is the Metaverse. <laughs> <laughs>